down the street in my CRV. Picking up my homies in my CRV. Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I am Vero Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soyla Perez. And we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week we're bringing you a meneito, just a quick snippet of the music that we're getting down with this week. And we've got some good stuff for you. Yeah, this one is a new release, yeah? Yeah, I've got a couple of new new things for you all. This is Kuko, who is an artist that we've brought here before. For my whole crew, in my CRV. Got my whole gang, in my CRV. Got the groceries, in my CRV. I got no gang, in my CRV. I'm so average. In my CRV, riding down the street in my CRV, picking up my homies in my CRV, kick it with my boot thing in my CRV, riding down the street in my Honda SUV. Kuko, if you haven't heard of him, is a young L.A. Chicano kid who is just blowing up, making noise everywhere he goes. He started like a year ago, a year and a half ago, just having backyard concerts. And then this summer he's like playing Coachella. It's a really right. wild meteoric rise. And I think the cool thing is that his management really seems to like have his back and get it to have it together. And he's just like sort of like overwhelmed and learning the way and but still making just the coolest, coolest music. I love this one. I don't know if you had this experience, Perez, of just Mm -hmm. filling your time as a teen driving around aimlessly Mm -hmm. in the halcyon years of cheap gas. For sure. (laughs) For sure. Well, it was like the only way to get privacy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, so I grew up in in like a suburb of Minneapolis um, as a teenager anyway, is where I was. So um, and driving around was like the only thing to do. It was just like be at a friend's house with parents or drive around and like, uh-huh. you know, hit all yep. the fast food joints or whatever. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I mean, I lived in a, yeah, kind of a small, a uh, college town that had a lot of rural stuff bordering it. So we just drive aimlessly around like the hills and park sometimes. And I mean, it was really, it was really a lot of my late high school years for sure. I did not have a yeah. CRV though. Did you have a CRV? Yeah. <laughs> I did not have a CRV. I had no, like I did have a Honda though. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I had like a really beat up old Saab from like 1983 and I loved that motor vehicle. It was yeah. I just have a lot of sentimental attachment to it. But it was, yeah, this just like is so nostalgic. And I think it's so cute to make a, a mm. banger about a Honda CRV. Yeah, it is cute. It is really I cute. I think that that's just, I think that just really is at the heart of what is so unique about Kuko is that he really um, just touches on like day to day you know, Chicano kid experiences or, you know, like teen experiences and really, it really hits all of his fan base, right? Like the switching from English to Spanish really seamlessly, you know, the 
being uh, heartbroken or thinking about your crushes or what you're going to do over the summer, this driving around aimlessly. I just think that he really has, um, he really is able to convey those things in a really honest way. And you can totally tell with the music. It really is, you know, catchy and um, and riveting. I appreciate that. I mean, that's something nice about when people just first come up as stars because their their lives are kind of normal, right? In the times when they're writing music. And then once they hit it big, I mean, hopefully you're right that his managers and stuff are kind of keeping his life a little more grounded. But then it's like their, li- their life experiences are not as relatable to ours because they have this crazy celebrity life. Right. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope he um he keeps it together. I wish him the best. When I saw him in concert, it was truly the cutest thing. First of all, there was um a promposal at the concert. I remember which you telling me this story? I didn't know it was a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> God, if prom isn't bad enough, then you have to like add all that. I'm like poor. I had no idea, but I experienced Uh, one. And then I was like, oh, everybody in this crowd is in high school. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're Dia out here on the show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, totally. And and then the other thing that he did during his concert is he brought out his parents. And it was just Mm -hmm. so adorable, you know? I just just have a lot of of, uh, warmth in my heart for Kuko. So I was excited to see this. Kuko's mm. EP, which this song is going to be on, drops in May. So yeah. keep your eyes out on May 4th. I think the Chiquito EP is going to drop. So this is off of that. Um, I'm really excited for it. And yeah, just so I have so much teen teen nostalgia when I listen I to know. Google. In the best way. I mostly did yeah. not like being a teen, but no. Google makes me think of what was nice about it. I don't want to go back. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way in which it does actually get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly mm. do not recommend, but you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, my song for this Meneito is some bachata. I think it's been a minute, I feel like, since I brought bachata. So I yes. felt inspired. This is uh, No Tengo Palabras by Jesse Rose. No tengo palabras, no tengo palabras para expresar mi Classic, like really sappy bachata romantica, and I am here for it. As no one would be surprised. 
Amazing. Yes. I'm not surprised. I see I know. that you found some mujeres bachateras. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's what's exciting about this one. She's, I think she's like in her early 20s. I was having trouble figuring out her age, but just like looking at her website and whatever. Um, yeah, she's Dominic, of Dominican descent, but raised in like New York, New Jersey area. And this song dropped in 2014, I think is one of her more famous ones. And yeah, there are so few women in bachata that I'm really here for all the women who are making it, and especially like young women coming up in it now. Um, I think that's really awesome. And um, Yeah, that's I, so great. Yeah, and I don't, so there's a bachatero I brought before called Carlos Rosé, and I was like trying to figure yes. out, I was like, is this like a bachata family? But no, I don't, there's no <laughs> And she says, she calls herself Jessie Rose, not Rose. Got it. So. Uh, got it, yeah, got it. Wouldn't that be amazing if it was like a drag family where they all have the same last names because they come oh from like the house of whatever. Yes, like, that's but amazing. The house of Rosé, no, the Bachata exactly. house of Rosé. I, I mean, I think that should be a thing. I think that should be a thing. I think so, if, you know. But as far as I can tell, there's no relationship between Jesse and Carlos except Bachata tunes. So <laughs> what did you that's think about this this amazing. I liked it. It made me think about, yeah, it made me think about this other mujer also, this bachatera that I just, um, that I just got hip to, this mujer called Andre Veloz. Um, Even though the song that I, the song that I first heard from her was not a bachata tune. It's like more of like a perico ripiao about like being like a being like a girl that's not gonna go out tonight she's like eta right. que ta aquí ya anda en bata, girl like i'm not going anywhere <laughs> yep 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 <laughs> but yeah, it you made sent, me you sent me her name recently i remember yeah yeah but i think this song is great i like it i'm yeah. uh, you know i think that you've like really um, influenced my yes. bachata listening ways <laughs> i like it i'm so glad <laughs> i'm so glad i've been able to influence you <laughs> yeah yeah well, we, I, one thing I wanted to chat with you about, Veto, since everybody's been talking about it, I've been thinking a lot about, is the, the piece that just came out earlier this week um, by Juno Diaz in The New Yorker. Yeah. You, Ooh. Wow. Wow. That's some deep shit. Yeah. So, so deep. People should make sure to go check it out if you haven't yet. I'll put a link in our show notes to the article. But basically, he's coming out as a um, survivor of child rape. He was eight years old mm-hmm. um, multiple times by a trust. He calls him a trusted adult. Um, and then talks about, you know, the impact of that assault, that rape on his life as an adult and the ways in which it influenced his relationships with women over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the and, ways that trauma plays out. Yeah. I mean, he basically like owns up to being a total mujeriego and like total womanizer. Yeah. I mean, I, nobody. I think anybody who's read his work has known that he is those characters that he writes, right? Right, like, right. So I'm not surprised by that. I figured that was the case, that he was writing from his own experiences of cheating. And and it's also just like, I mean, how many of us don't have family members or, you know, who know men like that, right? Like, I feel like it's very mm-hmm. super common. Um, but he, yeah, he makes that connection to this trauma. And also, I mean, he talks about being suicidal, and like yeah. attempting suicide a number of times and like really deep depression, um, all connected to this trauma, this childhood sexual abuse. And then his own path toward trying to get healing around that, that assault and also in relationships with women and trying to, you know, make amends and, or what it, whatever Ooh. it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I just have so many thoughts. I mean, 
thoughts about the silence around child sexual assault in yeah. all of our families, right? It's not Latino specific, but certainly mm-hmm. we are complicit. Yeah. Um, I have thoughts about the ways that patriarchy plays out in that and the ways that, you know, all of that stuff is set up so that when there are moments to act out from your place of trauma, it's always the people who are below you in society, right? In this case, women, right? Right. And I think that uh, we need to, I always have thought about a lot of the ways that oppression and harm plays out in our communities has to do with trauma and generational trauma. And, um, and it's so big to, um, to have somebody say like, this is what happened when I didn't deal with it. And now I'm dealing with it and to be open about it. And I think, um, one of the things that I recognize in that essay a lot is this, uh, this sort of resistance to therapy or to dealing with it, which I think is something that I see a lot in mm-hmm. um, in my personal experience, in yeah. my family. Right. Um, you know, I've seen um, that kind of trauma and I've also seen that same kind of resistance to dealing with trauma. Yeah. Um, to me, that was, I mean, it's a, a personal, a lot of, a lot of, about that essay felt really personal because there are things that I've seen happen in my family. Right. Um, and, and it's so, it's so intense and it's so hard also to hear that, that you, uh, that, you know, that all of this harm was done to women, right. And that women had to bear the brunt of that harm because, of not dealing with trauma, but also not the fact that we live in a society where we don't give men or really a lot of people, including a lot of people of color, both either the resources or the freedom and lack of stigma to attend to their trauma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's much less the monetary resources. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, these are cycles, right? I mean, the, the cliche hurt people, hurt people, but I think that's what I found so powerful about him putting this out in this particular moment too, is that, you know, he's a survivor and a perpetrator, right? Like he's done both things and they're connected to each other. And I think that's probably almost always the case, you know, that like people who perpetrate violence against other people have been themselves violated. And so... It goes back to kind of what we talked about a, a while ago around Me Too. It's like we can't – this is why you can't just say, like, let's put all the bad men in another corner and then we'll all be safe, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. these are the same people. These are the same people right. oftentimes. And so we have to figure out how to create s- structures in which people can actually heal and stop doing harm toward each other. Um, and not just isolate them. Um, and I just think there's something really powerful about his story because of that. Almost like, yeah. okay, we're seeing the whole cycle, you know? And ideally, right. the end of the cycle is that somebody actually deals with their shit. And I'm sure it's not perfect. And, like, it's not. these Changing these behaviors are really, really difficult, especially when they come mm-hmm. from trauma response, right? 
But, yeah. you know, hopefully what he says is true and that he's in a different place. And, and I, th- I think he admits that it's a process, you know. Right, it's not, right. It's not like, okay, now I'm fixed. Woo, you know. Yeah. And um, I think about us dealing with our trauma and our hurt as really our duty to uh, the generations to come. Mm. Because trauma is generational, right? If you look at – if you look into – new research on epigenetics and even before new research on epigenetics people you know i had been around healers and people who've been telling me for over a decade that trauma is generational and yeah. that it really um passes on and i felt resistant to that notion because i find it so deeply depressing mm. but it's true. Epigenetics yeah. now has shown that actually experiences of trauma affect your genetic code and that shit gets passed on. And I think that when I am not like sort of hopeless, I think about how each and every one of us actually has a duty to the generations to come to think right. about healing ourselves and healing our trauma right. so we don't pass that right. shit on right. so that we're like, not yeah. actually creating a right. world in which a bunch of people are hurt and they're going to continue hurting each other hurting because each it's other. literally the only way that they know. Well, and I mean, the flip side is true too, right? We can pass on trauma, but we can also pass on resilience, right? So yes. there is something there um, yes. as well. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really... It's really true. And I think we do so much, our society does so much just blaming people who do harm or even who just like, like I'm sure when he was a kid and he wasn't going to school and he was flunking out and whatever, like everybody was just like, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you do better? Why can't you go to class? Why can't you do, right? Like they just put a lot of blame on him because that's what we do. We're like, you're being lazy. You don't want to, whatever. But it's like, no, he was dealing with like mental illness as a result of, um, being raped as a kid like so I just again I saw like I've seen the exact same thing happen in my family it's so intense right to like see like this is part of what's powerful about coming out publicly with these experiences because you get to be like oh we're not alone in these experiences like no I've seen this happen and it's not weird that it happened to us you know this is actually a normal thing that happens as a response to this yeah awful yeah. thing that happened because also he's also confessing to a lot of fucked up shit that he no did. he is that's what's amazing right? about it is that he's not and i feel like he owns up i mean i i don't know if you've seen any responses i'm sure they're gonna be criticism because there always is but i don't know yo like i feel like he did a really excellent job at a really difficult thing which is being honest you know telling your story and owning up to all the fucked up things you've done and that's the thing i feel like at the end of the day like we all have the capacity to harm we all do. And right. we all do it in different ways. I mean, and mm-hmm. not to the same degree, but like we all do. And so I think when we treat each other like you're good and, and you're bad, like that's where it all just falls apart because it's just not true. It's just not true. You know, like yeah. we all have bad moments. We all have ways in which we've treated people in our lives that we don't, um, that we don't, we don't, we're not proud of where we, you know, mm-hmm. we've caused harm, you know, so... Yeah, I don't know. I just think we have to humanize people more, including people who, who do fucked up things. But yeah, it was a real wake up call. And I'm sure like, you know, it's like, there's probably a lot of patterns we don't even know, right? Like about people who are like people didn't him, his family didn't know, you know? So you look at people's behavior and it it makes me think about, you know, what are the histories of, of people even in my family that I don't know um, who may have suffered these kinds of things. Right. So it's like, 
it's amazing. But I'm really, I really honor his courage because he's so yeah. public. Do you know? He's so public. This has been a banner week for Latinx people coming out publicly with their mental oh, health Mariah struggles. Carey. Did you see about Mimi? I saw yes. your post about it. Yeah. Good for her. Mariah Carey just came out as bipolar, um, as struggling with bipolar disorder. And she, was, you know, the part of the reason that she did it is to like lift up the stigma of uh, dealing with mental health stuff. And it's just, I feel like that's actually a lot of what's wrapped up in this too, is just so much stigma that comes with, um, with struggling in life, whether that be with uh, child sexual assault or like the trauma and mental health consequences of it, or just mental health issues just more generally. Um, there's so much stigma there. And I feel like it's just amazing that we live in a time where folks feel like, Today I can be open about this, you know? Yeah. I can be, I can be brave and I can, yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of also like homophobia wrapped up in when it's, when it's male survivors of Ooh, child sexual yes. abuse from men, right? Like there's yes, so much yes, yes. that also keeps it hard, makes it hard for them to be open about it too. Absolutely. I mean, and, and yeah, and you know, he was so brave. I mean, the details that he shared in that piece, so y'all definitely need to read it. And, um. Yeah, he definitely gained some respect because I knew he was probably that womanizer in his books and it made me feel, it made me question him a little bit. I'm like, okay, you're this brilliant guy, but I know you're doing these things to these women that are so common in our, especially, I don't know, I see it all over. Um, so it, you know, it gives me another level of respect for him now to understand what he's, what's totally. really behind that and, and to where, that he's working with it, you know, trying to work with it. So, woo. Absolutely. What a time to be alive, right? <laughs> Ooh, so rough. So rough. Yeah. Well, I feel like the next song that I brought um, is sort of a, a good segue here because oh, great. It, it's um, it's called Trust Me Baby, and mm -hmm. it's about a lover who does who you know is like she's like don't look through my phone, don't do all this stuff. Mm. Like every time that you don't trust me you're harming our relationship. And, um, and mm. I think that that's also another um, possible consequence of trauma is like inability to trust anybody because you've been so deeply harmed. Right. Um, and I just think this is so beautiful. Uh, this is Trust Me Baby by Empress Of. Cálmate, ya te di mi corazón No te enojes sin razón Te hace más feo Why am I always the one to cry? One to cry Respétame Trust me. 
So I just saw this come up this morning. Um, we're recording a couple of days before this episode is supposed to come out. And um, I really, really was excited about new Empress of. We have brought Empress of before to the podcast. Um, her name is Lorelie Rodriguez. She's from LA. Her mother is from um, Honduras. And she's currently based in Brooklyn. And um, I think the last time we brought her was last summer. That's the last time that she had new right. music. But she was like one of the first artists you brought, I remember. Yes, yes. I, when I was just like looking through our old notes, she was yeah. in the Amor episode, which is our and first And wasn't her one. mom the one that like helps with her merch and stuff? Yes, that helps her like yeah. bedazzle various <laughs> yeah. items for her merch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, now that like we're doing a, a merch Latina store. Latina mom. <laughs> We don't really have those kinds of moms, though. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, my mom isn't very crafty. We'll hire professionals. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some pros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, so we, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. This is one of two uh, new songs that she, um, that she put out. She put out like a, mm-hmm. just like a little mini EP, I guess. Um, and I'm really excited. I hope that this means that there's more and more new music coming from her but mm. these little two these two tracks um have made me very excited little teaser yeah i hope so i hope so but if it's just this i'm fine with that too yeah well, it know. seems like these days people release a lot more ahead of the of the album than it used to right it used to be like there was one single and now right, it seems like right. because well, of the so internet and the platforms. way we listen yeah and we just people don't listen to albums in the same way they used to so like right. Alvin is got a new album coming out, but he's already released like a bazillion singles, you know, oh, it's like by the Jay time the album Baldwin. comes out. He disappointed me. So yeah. What did he do? He, uh, um, well, he was on a show in Brazil where they were making him play this game, Mary, fuck, kill or whatever. Fuck, oh, Mary, kill. Fuck, fuck, Chuck or Mary. Some I don't know, whatever. I think it has various versions. But he was on yeah. Brazil, and they, like, gave him a few people. And one of them was Rihanna. So, like, this is the context, right? It wasn't he, like, just said this. But still, it's not fucking okay. He was like, oh, Rihanna's not the type of girl that you'd marry. And I was just like, why? And I think Rihanna was the only black girl on the list. And I just, like, yo, Jay Balvin how is that appropriate in any way also like your music is like comes from an afro-caribbean tradition like how dare you i'm just i'm just very Mm. disappointed yeah Ugh, that that's not cool and that game feels like such a setup yeah (laughs) how do you not Ugh, i don't know yuck yeah. yeah, it's not, it's just not okay. I really hope he, I mean, he's like, oh, you know, this is out of context, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't fucking apologize. And I think he needs to like make amends. I think he needs to apologize to fucking Rihanna if she even wants to talk to his ass. Right. Ugh. You can't be saying shit like that. No. Can't no. be saying shit like that. Oh, man. Well, that is disappointing. Well, but... You know what you were saying though that yeah people, people do release. put out lots of like yeah, little singles singles mm-hmm. Cardi did that with a lot of her yeah, her right. singles with her album right. that just came out her new album yeah have you been listening to it I've listened to a couple of tracks I need to listen to it more she's got um, she's got some great lines in it you know and she has know, a song Bencalis. with Calvin too right she does 
one of the yeah. songs that I really like on the album. She right. like uh she samples I like it like that like a boogaloo classic yep. and yeah. she's on with J Balvin and Bad Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um I just I hope that J Balvin gets it together and yeah. much love to Cardi. I've really um you know, she's she's got like that tongue on her. She's so clever. Mm-hmm. And she really uses it in her music. So, yep. sending no, she's so much love. Doing, she's doing good things, for sure. She really and is. she's got a babe. She's pregnant. I know. She is pregnant. Oh, what a and year. Jeez. <laughs> she was like, the other day, she was talking about how she, uh, how people were, you know, were criticizing her about having a baby in this moment in her career. And she's like, mm. excuse me, why can't I have a baby and a career? Why am I not allowed to have both? Right. So she's like really right. asking the questions about like systemic yeah. inequality and parenthood for women. You know, right. ain't and nobody talking to Offset of- about how Offset's ruining his career. Right. Of course not. Of course not. Mm-hmm. And so then you have, yeah, just- you have some women like Mariah who waited till she was way older, right? So that probably partially because of career pressures and stuff too. Right, so. right. You do you, so, man. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I mean, she's made it this far with a lot to more challenging circumstances than being pregnant yes. and trying to have a career. So I yeah. think she'll figure it out. I think she'll be fine. As my dad says yeah. it, she's going to figure it out. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, y'all. Yes. Thank you so, so much. As always, all the details for the songs that we brought today are going to be on our show notes on radiomanad.com. And you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Radio Manea. Um, shout out to Aminatu So from Call Your Girlfriend who gave us a little shout out on her Instagram stories the other day. We know we got some new followers from that. So thanks so much, Amina and Call Your Girlfriend. They were definitely an inspiration before we started this podcast. I was listening to them being like, well, they record long distance. We could figure this out. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Two plus yes. years later. Hi, so. new listeners. We're so happy yeah. to have you. We hope you keep yeah. listening. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you didn't listen to our last um, long episode yet, it was about music from Colombia. You should really check it out. We had a great guest, Alex DB, who knows a, is um, has family from Colombia and knows a lot, a lot about music. So it was a great conversation. So check that out. Yes. Thank you so, so much for listening. And hasta la próxima. Ciao. For my whole crew. In my CRB. Got my whole gang. In my CRB. Got the groceries. In my CRB, I got no game. In my CRB, I'm so average. In my CRB, riding down the street. In my CRB.